Yes, Lord. Amen, Lord. I think that's our prayer every day for those of us that are Christians. If we ever needed you, it's now. We can look back over our lives and see the hundreds, if not thousands of times we called upon you and you answered us. Yes, Lord. It goes right along with 1 Corinthians 6, 2. That tells us, Lord, that in the time of need, you helped us. Now it's time. Now it's time to come to the Lord. Today is the day of salvation. Lord, so if there's anybody out there that needs a touch from you today, Lord, hear their prayer as we know you will. If they're in Jesus Christ, if they love Jesus, if they ask in Jesus' name, Lord, you would help them. Behold, now is the acceptable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Just reach out to the Lord because you need him. Even if you think you don't, you do. So, Lord, let them humble themselves, fall to their knees with all their heart, ask you to come in, forgive their sins, heal their bodies, their souls, and give them eternal life. In Jesus' name we pray, Father. Amen. 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 God bless you, everybody. You may be seated in the church. For everybody out over the air, you're listening to Freedom Church at the Palm Beaches, and I'm Pastor Joe Trapani. We're glad you're there. Um, we're right in Lantana, Florida. If any of you are local, we're 2810 High Paluxo Road, right off, off I-95, Lantana 33462. We're a quarter mile west of I-95 on the north side of the road, and hopefully you can't miss us, 2810 High Paluxo Road. Um, listen, if you're if you're watching us now, we have a website. It's freedomchurchpb, stands for palmbeach.org, freedomchurchpb.org. We're here every Thursday night at 7.15. We do mostly expositional Bible studies, you know, uh, where you can grow in the grace and in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. On Sunday morning, we're here at 10 a.m., Sunday morning, 10 a.m., where we continue with extra... Um, you know, expositional Bible study so you can grow in the knowledge and in the grace of God. And uh, we'd love to have you, so come on by 10 o'clock or tune in. We'd rather have you see you in person if you're here. So uh, for those men that are local, we're, you know, we're a quarter mile west of I-95, as I said. You know, you we have a men's Bible study starts at 9 o'clock. Our men's Bible study starts at 9 o'clock. It is not streamed like Sunday and Thursday night service. So um, if you go to our website at freedomchurchpb.org, you can find out all about us. You can read our beliefs, find our address. You can see a list of our ministries. You can watch past services that we've had. And you can even give should, you, should the Lord lead you with, and with your gifts and offerings. If you're part of this church, you know, your tithe would go to your, your home church. Um, if you want me to talk in any way, shape, or form, just just add Joe at freedomchurchpb.org. Just add Joe at freedomchurchpb.org. And uh, 
Come and join us and bring a friend if you would. That's how the gospel gets out there, by bringing friends. I finished the message on Sunday since it was Resurrection Sunday or what we call Easter Sunday. You know, the angel's words were to the women, come and see and then go and tell the disciples. So we're going to, that's our commission too. And then following in that chapter, Matthew 28, is the Great Commission. So, so listen, come and see that he is risen, and then go and tell the world, your family, your neighbors, your friends, your enemies. So thank you uh, for, for uh, tuning in. Stay tuned, would you, and come on back again. Tonight we're in John chapter uh, 19, and we're at verse 30. John chapter 19, verse 30. I'm going to continue where I left off last week. In verse 30, here's what Jesus said. Here's the title of the message. 16 things Jesus finished at the cross. And here's what he's going to say. Okay? Verse 30. So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up the spirit. That's one verse. Let me read it again. So when Jesus had received the sour wine. You remember, he's hanging on a cross. And bowing his head, he said, well, and he said, it is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. I, I did about eight or nine things last week. Um, I'm going to put these flowers on the back table here, if you want. All 16 are listed here. Some of the Bible studies that I do when I have... have uh, papers with me, you could actually take them and start a Bible study in your home because, um, you know, the, these are very detailed. It gives you a scripture verse, you know, because I'm a scripture-oriented pastor. I f- say you interpret scripture by scripture. So here it is, 16 things Jesus finished at the cross. I'm going to go through the first eight or nine quickly because we did them last week, and I have reference verses on this slip for all of you. All right, now point number one. When Jesus had finished, uh, he 16 things Jesus finished at the cross. Number one, he fulfillment of all scriptures of his suffering. All the scriptures in the Old Testament were fulfilled uh, in his suffering. Psalm 22, you know, where David, you know, penned, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Sound familiar? Jesus on the cross uttered that. Okay? Uh, Isaiah 53, you know, he was led as a lamb to the slaughter. You you know that. Luke 22, O fool, slow to anger. Is, is not the, the Messiah to suffer? We know all those things. Okay, number two is what was finished at the cross. The defeat of Satan was finished at the cross. And through death, he, Jesus, destroyed. might destroy him who had the power of death. That is the angel. That is the devil. That through his death, he might destroy him that had the power of death. That is the devil. Jesus defeated the devil with the cross. You need to know it. That what scripture I just read was Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 14 and 15. You can get the both verses if you go to that chapter. Number three, 
the breaking down of the middle wall of separation. See, there was a separation between Jew and Gentile. Jesus broke that wall down. Now we're one in Christ. There is no separation for every for the Jews that became Christian, which were all the disciples, for the Jews that received Christ as their Savior, and and they became Christians at that point. And and even us today, Gentiles that receive Jesus Christ as their Savior, they become they become the church also. So we Jesus broke down that wall of separation between the Jew and the Gentile. Number four, what did Jesus finish at the cross? He made a way of personal access to God. He made us a way of personal access to God. You can go right into the Holy of Holies, right before the throne of God, in the name of Jesus, and God will hear you. We remember that when Jesus uttered his last or gave up his ghost, the, the curtain and the temple that separated the holy place from the holy of holies where the high priest went in only once a year, that curtain was torn from the top to the bottom. And that curtain was something like 30 feet high. It wasn't a human being that tore that curtain. That's what God is telling you. You know, we have now a personal access before God's throne through Jesus Christ. Number five. What else did Jesus finish at the cross? He, he made a cancellation of the reign of death. In Romans 6, 9, it says this, Knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more. Death has no more dominion over him, nor does it have over you. You can check out Romans 5.12, Romans 5.14, Romans 5.21. You can check out Romans 6.9 and Romans 8.2. Jesus canceled the reign of death at the cross. There's even a song out there by a popular artist. He said he defeated death by his death. He defeated death by death. Number six of what Jesus finished at the cross. The cancellation of sin's power. The cancellation of sin's power. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. You are free from the law of sin and death. Your sins have been paid for by Jesus Christ, if you believe it. And you no longer have to die. We're talking spiritual death here, not physical death. These bodies cannot inherit the kingdom of God. This Perishable has to put on imperishable. Okay, number seven of one was sixteen things that Jesus finished at the cross. Number one, the or number seven, demonstration of obedience and the love and the love to death. Philippians two eight says this, and being found in the fashion of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Jesus was obedient to go to death to pay the penalty for your sin and my sin. And who was he obedient to but his father? His father, Father God, in this case. Okay? There are more scriptures there for you to follow. Number eight of what Jesus finished at the cross. Perfection of Christ. The perfection of Christ. Hebrews 2.10 says this. By whom all are all things to make the captain of their salvation perfect through suffering. 
Jesus made our salvation perfect through his suffering. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 10. And you can check that out if you don't believe me. You know it is. We have been we have been perfected through his suffering. By his stripes we are healed. By his blood we have been saved. Point number nine, and I think I did cover this one last week, of the 16 things Jesus finished at the cross, was salvation from all sin. Ephesians 1, 7 says this, and whom we have redemption through his blood. Now, you know what that verse tells me? You cannot have redemption because you go to church on Sunday. You cannot have redemption because you teach a Sunday school class. You cannot have redemption because you gave $5 to the person standing on a street corner. You cannot, you cannot um, have, have salvation because of your good works. You are saved by grace through faith, listen to this, and not of yourselves, for it is a gift of God, not as a result of works that any man should boast. That's Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. Here's, here's uh, Titus 3, 5. He, Jesus, saved us, not on the basis of the deeds that you have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy. You are not saved by your good works. You are saved by putting your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ, repenting of your sins and confessing with your mouth and believing in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. That's how you're saved. You don't have to utter a fancy prayer. You have to utter a prayer to God, believing in Jesus Christ, receiving him as your Savior with your heart, not your head, your heart. Your heart has to be in it. And if your heart is in it, you will be a changed person. You will come to the Lord just as you are, drug addict, pervert, liar, thief. It doesn't matter. Murderer, you can come as you are. But once you come to Jesus, if you prayed with your whole heart, you will be changed. You will not be the same person. That's what Jesus said. You must be born again. That means you, that which is born of flesh is flesh. You were born of flesh of your mother. You know, you were born flesh, but you have not been born of God until you receive Christ as your Savior and the Holy Spirit enters your life. And then your spirit will be saved. Salvation from all sins through his blood. Jesus did not go to the cross for nothing. You, we just celebrated Resurrection Sunday. We just celebrated Easter Sunday. That is the anniversary of Jesus' rising from the dead. That was the anniversary. Jesus didn't ri rise from the dead just last Sunday. He rose from the dead 2,000 years ago. And we celebrate the anniversary just like you celebrate your 50th birthday or whatever birthday it is. So here's the tenth thing. Okay, first of all, I'm going to run through those first eight, nine real quick. Number one, what was finished at the cross. That's why Jesus, you know, spoke out. It is finished. And that was his last words. It's done. He fulfilled all the scriptures. I'm talking about his suffering. He fulfilled all the scriptures. 
And he said, it is finished. In other words, it is perfectly perfect. I have fulfilled the scriptures. Jesus even told the Pharisees, he says, you search the scriptures and in them you think you have eternal life. You don't have eternal life in the scriptures. You have eternal life in him. He said, you search the scriptures and you think that you have eternal life. But these scriptures are they that bear witness of me, said Jesus. That's John 5.39. That's so, listen. He fulfilled all the scriptures of his suffering, number one. Number two, he defeated Satan, number three. He broke down the middle wall of separation between the Jew and the Gentile. The the Jewish God is God. But you can't know that God except through his son, Jesus Christ. So if you don't have Christ, you don't have the Jewish God, okay? So, and, you know, since you have Christ, you know, you are a Christian, and those disciples who were Jewish were called Christians at Antioch. You can find that in the book of Acts. Number four, he gave us a personal way to God. We can go right before God's throne. Number five, he canceled out the reign of death. Yes, we're going to die in the flesh because this body is perishable, but we're going to put on imperishable, and we will be changed. Number six, he canceled sin's power. Sin has no more power over you. Number seven, demonstration of his obedience, even the death of the cross. Jesus loved us so much that that he demonstrated his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, he died for us. Number eight, perfection through Christ. We are made perfect in the spirit through Christ's suffering. In the spirit, you're not perfect in this world. You were a sinner when you got saved. You're still going to be a sinner. But Jesus' blood that you believe in cleanses you from all sin. Number nine, salvation from all sins. All sins, not just some sins. All sins. Some people can't believe that. It's too good to be true. It is. It's true. It is too good to be true. You can be saved whether you're a murderer, a liar, Uh, a thief, a homosexual, a sodomite, a pervert, you name it, you can be saved, but you don't flaunt your sins. You turn from them. That's what repentance means, to turn from your sins, to turn around and go in the other direction. If you ever were in the Army, the Navy, the Air Force, the Marines, when they said about face, you went around the other direction. And that is what we're talking about in repentance. You used to go after drugs, now you're going after God. You know what? You might fall, but your sin has no dominion over you. You just keep on repenting. You do it as quickly as possible. Get victory over that sin. And then, then believe me, you'll find something else the Holy Spirit will point out that you need to get rid of. Maybe your tongue. Maybe your lust. Who knows what it could be. God works in different ways with different people. Number 10 of the, of the, the um, 16 things Jesus finished at the cross. Making space between God and man. And making peace. I'm sorry, well, I don't know why I said space. Making peace between God and man. Colossians 1, 20 through 22. And I'll just quote part of the verse. Having made peace through the blood of his cross. That's Jesus. Jesus made peace between God and man. You know what? If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, you're an enemy of God. Because he sent his son to be crucified on that cross to pay the penalty for your sins. And you said, no way. 
you said no way. If you say no way to Jesus, the peace is not there. You can't have the peace. But he is our peace. He keeps us in perfect peace. All those who trust in him, whose thoughts turn often to the Lord. He made peace with God, us with God, because our sins are forgiven if we put our faith in Jesus. And now we have peace with God through the blood of the cross. Number 11 of the 16 things Jesus finished at the cross. Death's penalty was paid for all, not some, for all. That means there's seven and a half billion plus people on the face of this earth today. Jesus died for all of them. Now, unfortunately, most people don't put their faith in Jesus Christ. And I mean unfortunately, because there's a world of disaster waiting for people that have, do not put their faith in Jesus. You've got to remember, this is the Son of God that came and demonstrated his love towards you dying on the cross going through a horrible death to pay the penalty for our sins. He, he actually took the wrath of Almighty God upon himself. Every single last drop of God's wrath against sin was put upon Christ Jesus. And you say no to Jesus, then you're still in your sins. Penalty is paid for all. Jesus didn't just die for the Jew. He didn't just die for the Italians. He didn't die for, die for the Spanish. He didn't just die for the Chinese. He didn't just die for the Russians. He died for all of mankind that put their faith in him. Number 12, he cancellation of the mortgage claim of Satan and freeing man from his dominion from sin and Satan. Now, Peter the Apostle tells us this in 1 Peter 1.19, But with precious blood of Christ, as, the lamb, as a lamb without blemish and without spot. Jesus was the Lamb of God. He's the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And we know that is a fact. We know that's a fact, that Jesus took away the sins of the world. I'm going to tell you something else. If you don't have Jesus Christ in your heart, you're going to run out of battery power in this world, let me tell you. You know, you need Jesus Christ as your Savior, without a doubt. He made peace between us and God, Jesus, in Colossians 1.20. And, and number 12. And where, where are we? It can't get me all kind of messed up here. That kind of happens all the time. Again, we're not, we're not editing this. We just teach. You know, we're human beings. Nobody's perfect. Anyway, cancellation of the mortgage claim of Satan and freeing of man and his dominion from sin and Satan. 1 Peter 1, 19. One of the first verses I ever memorized. But you were redeemed, not with silver and gold, but with precious blood as a lamb unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. 
John, John the Baptist tells us in John chapter 1, verse 29, he says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world as Jesus was walking away. You know, he says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He is the Lamb. You know, they used to sacrifice lambs for the forgiveness of your sins. Well, Jesus took that lamb's place that day. And he is the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Even Paul in Romans 8.21 says this, that the creation itself also will be set free from its slavery. You know that, you know that the creation is in slavery to the sin of mankind? You know, think about it. Do you know that, that even animals have to die because of what man did? They didn't deserve that. And most of all, Jesus didn't deserve it. He, had, he didn't have to die. He chose to die because he loved us so much. So why can't we just love him back? Why can't we just love him back? You were redeemed with precious blood, not just the blood of a bull or a goat, but you've been redeemed with the blood of Christ, who is the Messiah, the blood of God. God made flesh. A body was prepared for him, says uh, Romans 10.5. It was a body prepared for him to take, on, to take on death that he might defeat the devil through death and to cancel out the mortgage claim that the devil has against us. He has a mortgage claim against us. There's no doubt about it. You can find other scriptures to back them up. I just gave you two. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. Romans 14, 7 through 9. 2 Corinthians 5, 14 through 15. 1 Thessalonians 5, 10. Hebrews 2, 9 through 15. Revelation 5, 9 through 10. Revelation 21, 1 through 22, 5. Listen what? Those are just some of the verses that tell you that, that you're, it's canceled out between you. Uh, between Satan and you. Colossians. I'm going to turn to Colossians real quick. I don't have it marked here in my book. But Colossians 1. General Electric Power Company, just so you know. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed unto us us into the kingdom of God in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. And by him all things were created that are in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions, principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. He is, in the, he is before all things and in him all all things consist. And if you go to such, uh, Colossians 2, verse 14, listen, this is talking about the cancellation of the mortgage claim against us. Jesus, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, okay, the Mosaic law, which was contrary to us, he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, Having disarmed the principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them through the law. See, there was a requirement against us. The penalty of sin is death. Jesus canceled it out for all of us who believe. What a great and mighty God 
we have. Believe me. What a great and mighty God. And number 13 of the 16 things that Jesus uh, finished at the cross. Number Satisfaction of the whole justice of God. Satisfaction. Satisfaction in so God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That all, whoever would just believe in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And a lot of people just don't want to do that. They want to believe in themselves. They want to believe in science. They want to be, believe in astrology. But they don't want to believe the Word of God. This book is, is the most historical book in history. It's more accurate than any other book ever written. I gave you a thing on Sunday about Billy Graham. said that there's more evidence that Jesus Christ lived and walked on the earth, and even Julius Caesar. There's more evidence that Jesus walked and lived on the earth than, than Alexander the Great dying at age 33. These are not proven. That's just stuff that comes down through, through the centuries. But, but Jesus died once for all. You know, it is actual absolute claim. Jesus did live. He did walk in Jerusalem. It did end. He did end up there, you know, on uh, according to Daniel's prophecy fulfilled in Acts or not Acts, Daniel chapter nine, verse twenty-four through twenty-seven. Listen, listen, it's done. Jesus satisfied the law. Okay, Romans, Romans chapter twenty-one, chapter Romans chapter three. I'm sorry, I'm going to turn there. It's a couple. Um, pages long, or a couple of verses long, Romans 3, 21. I'm going to read them to you, Romans 3, verse 21. One more page. But now the righteousness of God, apart from the law, is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. See, the law and the prophets is witnessing to these scriptures. And even... Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. For there is no difference. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All. Note that word. That means that you are a sinner. And it's best be that you believe it. You know, there's a lot of people that don't believe they're sinners. Yet, yet the Bible tells you that we're all sinners. I've had, I've had many talks with many people. And a couple of them, I used to, I used to start marking on a piece of paper. And they'd say, what are you doing? What are you doing marking on a piece of paper? I said, I just, I just listed every time that you took the Lord's name in vain while you're talking to me. And you tell me you're not a sinner? What's the second commandment? <laughs> you know, what is the commandment? Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. But you have, so that makes you a sinner. So, okay, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. All of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by grace through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ. He has redeemed you from the penalty of the law should you put your faith in him, whom God set forth as propitiation or payment by his blood through faith 
to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance God had passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. God justifies you by your faith in Jesus. So he sat, He actually s- satisfied the whole justice of God as you put your faith in Jesus Christ. Verse 14, I mean, chapter 14th point of why the things that Jesus finished at the cross is bodily healing for all. Bodily healing for all. Listen to, I'm going to turn to it and in my book. I, I, want you to, I want you to see that I'm reading from the Bible. I didn't say this. The scriptures tell us this. Many of you don't read the Bible, so you can't understand it because you don't, you don't read it. You have to read it. You know, Jesus said the truth will set you free. But this is the truth. The Bible is the truth. So if you don't know the truth, it can't set you free. I'm telling you tonight, according to the Word of God, there is bodily healing for all in Jesus Christ. Here's what Matthew, the, the gospel writer, and the, 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 one of the disciples that walked with Jesus, the, the tax collector, he was also called Levi. Here's what he, here's what he wrote in verse 17 of chapter 8 of Matthew. He wrote this, that he might that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, He himself took our infirmities and bore our sickness. Jesus took your infirmities and bore your sickness. Now, some people, even Christians, say that that isn't true. You know, but it is true. Jesus bore your sin. I'm going to go back. Here's the verse that Matthew is uh, quoting. It's, it's Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 5. Isaiah chapter 53. All of us like sheep. Um, I'm sorry. For, yeah, it is verse 5. I was reading 6. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities, referring to Messiah. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes, those the cat of nine tail whips on his back, by his stripes we are healed. You were healed by the stripes of Jesus. Mark tells us in chapter 16, these signs will accompany those who believe in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name they will cast out demons. They will speak with new drugs, new they will speak with new tongues. They will drink deadly poison, and it will not hurt them. And they will lay their hands on the sick, and they will recover. And Peter tells us that, that we were healed by his stripes, pointing back to Messiah in Isaiah chapter 53. And you know what? Back that up with even more. Let's turn to, let's turn to Psalm 103. David penned this song, this song. King David penned this song, and I'm reading. I could quote it to you, but I'm not going to. Here's what David said in Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Bless the Lord. And all that was within me, praise his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Listen to this, church. We're living 2,000 years later almost. 
Forget not all his benefits. All the benefits of the Old Testament are applicable for today. Okay? Okay. Here's what he says. Who forgives all our iniquities. You tell me, you, you put his faith in Jesus Christ and your sin is forgiven. That is absolutely true and you believe it. Now let's go to part two. Who heals all our diseases. Oh, now that gets a lot of Christians messed up. He doesn't heal your diseases. Why? Because you prayed for somebody would live and then they died. And you prayed. I just gave you an illustration tonight about Jen Wan, who we prayed for her to pass a test for her citizenship in the United States, being from a foreign country. We prayed because she doesn't speak English real well. She can't write English. But she went there after our prayer and she passed the test because it was prayer that did it. You know, some people pray and people do rise up. I've had missionaries live in my house, and they tell me of people that were blind at sea and people that were dead that were raised up. Don't tell me this doesn't happen today. Even in St. Augustine's day, 3400 B.C., miracles are, 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 were in his ministry. So it didn't end with the last apostle died unless, unless he was the last apostle, which isn't true. This is 400 years later. Nonsense. By the stripes you're healed, believe it or not. Here's what it says. Who forgives all your iniquities, you believe that. Who heals all your diseases, you go, oh, I don't know about that. Oh, my goodness. Wake up. Wake up. Number, okay, number four. Who redeems, verse four, who redeems your life from the pit. Okay, you know that he forgives all your iniquity. You believe that. You believe that he redeems your life from the pit, right? but you can't believe that he heals all your diseases? Why didn't God just erase that middle part to verse 3? You know why? Because it's true. There is bodily healing for all in Jesus. Let me tell you what Matthew says again. Matthew eight seventeen. In order that what was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, Isaiah 53, 5, which I just read to you, might be fulfilled, saying he himself, that's the Messiah himself, took our iniquities and carried away our diseases. That means that you can pray and you can tell these nasty diseases to go to the pit and the devil behind him, because your struggle is not against flesh and blood, it's against powers and forces of wickedness in heavenly places. Now listen, it's appointed once for man to die. Because we're sinners, this body has to be put on new, a new, new body. The imperishable must put on, the perishable must put on imperishable. We are going to die in this heaven, this body, short of the rapture of the Lord coming back and taking his church. We are going to die physically, but we are not going to die spiritually. And spiritual death is separation from Almighty God in its purest effect. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to be separated from God. I look back over my life and I say, thank God you were with me. For most of the time. John 10.10 10 says. The devil comes to steal. To kill and to destroy. But Jesus came. That you might have life and have it abundantly. So live an abundant life. Maybe you're not wealthy. And don't have a condo on the French Riviera. 
but you have joy in your heart because the author of joy lives in your heart. So, also James 14:5, James 5. I'll read it to you. James, by the way, is the half-brother of Jesus. He's the writer of this gospel. Before Jesus died on the cross and resurrected from the dead, uh, James did not believe in Jesus. None of Jesus' brothers or even looks like his sisters believed in him. But after he was resurrected from the dead, you have Jude writing his letter in the, in the gospel about his half-brother Jesus Christ. And you have James writing about, the, you know, Jesus, his half-brother. And I say half-brother because Jesus, Mary, was a virgin, impregnated by the Holy Spirit. The seed of God entered Mary, and Jesus was born of a virgin. So, we know that, that, that that's true. We know that it's true. So, that makes... so. Jude and James and Jesus' sisters, and don't tell me he didn't have them because the Scriptures tell us that he had brothers and sisters. Okay? That Scriptures say, unless you want to erase that from your Bible. But you can't erase it because it's there, and it's not just in one place, it's in several places in the Gospel. You know, so these two brothers turned to Jesus. They knew that he was the Messiah. You know, they were the product, James and Jude was the product of Joseph and Mary. But Jesus was the virgin-born Son of God who was overshadowed by the power of the Holy Spirit, and she became pregnant, and she had Jesus. And Joseph did not know her, it says in the Scriptures, which means have physical intercourse until after Jesus was born. She was a virgin. When Jesus came out of the womb, she was a virgin. We have to know these things. James Here's what James talks about, you know, getting back to the bodily healing part. In James 5, verse 14, here's what James says. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church, and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord, and the prayer of faith will save the sick. Now, listen, why would we be told to lay hands on the sick if there wasn't bodily healing. Well, we said for the scriptures too. But you can't use other scriptures that back this up. And then I always say, it's one of my mottos, you interpret scripture by scripture. You don't interpret scripture by history. You don't interpret scripture by a scientist. You interpret his scripture by scripture. Because that's the truth. And the prayer of faith will heal the sick. The prayer of faith. So that tells you you have to have faith. So if you say that God can't heal you, then you're telling me you don't have enough faith to be healed. But we're going to die someday. I wanted to get back at that. It's appointed once for us to die, and after this comes judgment. We will stand before the... If you're part of your faith in Jesus Christ, you will stand at the, at the judgment seat of Christ. You will be saved. Uh, some of the things you did may not... Uh, inherit a reward because you did it for self-glory or self-gratification. You know, you, you know, that's, you know, but you will be saved. 
The prayer of faith will heal the sick, and the Lord will raise him up. That's telling you that you didn't do it. It would be the Lord that would raise that person up from his sickness or disease. And the Lord will raise him up, and if he has committed sins, they will be, they, he will be forgiven. So your sins are forgiven. This is having faith in the Lord. So, listen, bodily healing is in the, in the atonement of Christ. It is. Number 15, a way for the full enhancement of power and full anointing of the Holy Spirit. As another thing, one of the 16 things that Jesus fulfilled at the cross or finished at the cross. Acts, let's go back to Acts chapter 1. Acts, I tell everybody, you know what? Somebody just got saved. Here's what I tell them. I say, go to the book of John, read the gospel of John, and then just continue through the book of Acts because the gospel of John tells you who Jesus is right off the bat. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the world, and the world was made by Him, and the world did not know Him. Okay? We know that. Okay? He is the Son of God. But Acts, Acts, John tells you who Jesus is from a spiritual standpoint. He's the Messiah of Israel. It's the spiritual gospel. The book of Acts tells you how the church began. We are the church of God. Whether you're Methodist, Lutheran, uh, Baptist, Assembly of God, whatever you are, non-denominational, we are the church who put their faith in Jesus Christ. If you don't have your faith in Jesus Christ, you are not part of the church. You might be in the church, but you're not part of the church. You have to have your faith in Jesus Christ, and then you are the church. And the church, we know, is the bride of Christ. But here's, here's what, you know, how we know that we have power. We're going to go to Acts chapter 1. I'm going to read verses 4 through 8. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them, this is 40 days after his resurrection, Jesus is with the disciples. He commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, excuse me, but to wait for the promise of the Father, who is the Holy Spirit, by the way, you, and he said, which you heard from me. For John truly baptized you with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons. See, there's some things in the Scripture that God doesn't want us to know, like how he created the universe. All he says is he created it with his word. Okay? Okay? So here's some things that he don't want us to know, which the Father has put in his own authority. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and even to the ends of the earth. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. It's a way to, en to enhance your power. The power comes from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one who raised Jesus from the dead. You can, you can check it out in Romans chapter um, 11 and verse 8, or 8 verse, it's 8 verse 11. Okay? Now, he's not the only one who raised Jesus from the dead, because Jesus said, 
you know, to the, to the Jews when he tore up the temple and turned over the money changer tables, he said to them, he said to them, you destroy this temple and in three days I'll raise it up. He's saying, you destroy this temple, the temple of the Holy Spirit, and in three days I'll raise it up. That means Jesus said he'll raise himself. Do you realize that? That's what's written in there. Romans 8, 11 says the Holy Spirit raised Jesus from the dead. Jesus said, I'm going to raise myself from the dead. And yet God the Father in Galatians and all through the Scriptures is credited for raising Jesus from the dead. So that shows you the Trinity right off the bat. And there's other Scriptures, I, I, you know, that, that point to the Trinity without a doubt. The Trinity was never doubted from the day the church began. Never. But now today... People say, you know, God is one. Read the scriptures and interpret that Hebrew word is in the plural sense. Even in the beginning, Romans or Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning God, the name there and the noun there for God is Elohim, which is plural. In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Verse 2, in, you know, the Spirit of God hoovered over the, over the surface of the water. There's God the Father, God the Spirit, and now we see God the Word. Then God said, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. Who is the Word of God? John's Gospel tells us very clearly that He is Jesus Christ. Jesus is the Word of God, made flesh, and He dwelt among us, John 1.14. Jesus is the Word of God. So now you have the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, right in the first three verses of the Bible, Trinity is undoubtedly true, without a doubt. Okay, so we see here, too, it says in verse 8 that when, when you go to Jerusalem, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. That means saturate you. These guys were saved. I was reading the doctrines of one of the churches uh, around here, and they said they believe that the baptism in the Holy Spirit is received when you accept Jesus as your Savior. But I see in the Scriptures that there is a separate, a separate fulfillment of that. You know, they received the Spirit when Jesus blew on them on Resurrection Evening in the room when He just appeared there with gates and doors and bars. Everything's locked down. Jesus just appeared in the room. He blew on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. But yet for 50 days, for 50 days they were hiding out. What changed? The Holy Spirit fell on them in baptism. And no longer did they just believe. They were saturated. You know, you could wring them out. They were saturated with the Holy Spirit. So it's a separate and distinct situation, a separate and distinct entity in the Bible. The baptism of the Holy Spirit. And that's what happened here. Peter got up. He didn't care if you crucified him. He was going to tell people about Jesus. Repent and be saved. Repent and be baptized. He wasn't going to doubt one, one bit. So we got to know that. It's a separate and distinct. Separate and distinct in the Bible. So, But that's nothing to divide a church over. It's you believe this, I believe that. I can justify it by Scripture. Maybe you can justify yours by Scripture. It doesn't matter. It doesn't have anything to do with our salvation. Our salvation is in Jesus Christ, Him alone. Him alone. That makes us brothers and sisters. Okay, the last point, 
the blotting out of the old covenant and the making and sealing of the new covenant. I read Colossians 2, 14 and 15, but I'll read it again. Having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of the decrees against us, which is the Mosaic law, and has and, and was hostile to us. See, the Mosaic law is hostile to us. He has taken it out of the way. That's Jesus has taken it out of the way. And having nailed it to the cross, when he had disarmed the rulers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them through the cross. Jesus defeated the devil. He blotted out the handwriting against us. He triumphed over the devil at the cross. And back that up with more scripture. Hebrews 8, chapter 8, verse 7 through 9. For if the first covenant had been faultless, you know what this is telling you? The first covenant was not perfect. Jesus entered on the cross. It is finished. If you look up the Greek, it would say even this. It is perfectly perfect. So, this, the Old Testament, the Mosaic Law, if, for if the first covenant had been faultless, see, it wasn't faultless, there would have been no occasion sought for a second covenant. Behold, the days are coming when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel. This is, I, this is uh, Jeremiah, okay? And the house of Judah, not like the old covenant which I have made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand and led them out of Egypt and land of Egypt, I will put their heart, I, I will put my law in their minds and write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. They will know me from the least to the greatest. I will be merciful to their iniquities. I will remember their sins no more. Thank you, Jesus. Hebrews 8, 6. Just back that up. 16 things finished at the cross. John 19, 30. Here's Hebrews chapter 8. But he has obtained a more excellent ministry. He is the mediator of a better covenant. Not the old covenant. It wasn't it wasn't perfect. Jesus, it, when he died at the cross, it is perfectly perfect. He fulfilled everything. It is finished. I'm done. My work is done. I redeemed mankind for all those who put their faith in me. He is the mediator of a better covenant, Jesus, which has been enacted on better promises. We have a better promise than the Old Testament. We have the promise of Jesus. It was finished. It was completed. All scripture concerning his sufferings. All 16 of them right here on this list that you can have if you come in and get it. You know, the suffering servant Messiah. He was the suffering servant Messiah. A lot of the people miss that. They think Jesus is going to come back in power and authority, and he is. But you missed the first appearance, the first coming, when the Lord came suddenly into his temple, says the scriptures. And when Jesus gave up his spirit on the cross, and notice he gave it up. He gave it up. He willingly died for our sins. And he gave up the spirit 
and he redeemed us, all those who put their faith in him. For all fallen men, and I do mean all, we all fall short of the glory of God. Well, listen, church, you heard the gospel in a nutshell here tonight, and you need out there over the Internet or those listening down the road, you need to put your faith in Jesus Christ. The Bible is the truth. It's the absolute truth. Jesus Christ is Lord. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. He is the mediator of the new covenant. There is one mediator between God and man, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. You need to put your faith in him, and you will be saved. Faith means you come as you are, but you don't stay as you are, because the Holy Spirit's going to help you conquer your, the sin that is within you, and you'll be changed. You'll be born again, serving God instead of yourself, instead of the world. But you have to do it with all your heart. If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, that God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, you shall be saved. That's the truth. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word here tonight. Thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit that's going to speak to everyone here tonight, including myself, that you would be glorified by them receiving you as their Savior and turning from their wicked ways. You said of my people who are called by my name, Christian will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, and I will forgive their sins. I will heal their land. Lord, we need this land healed. Help us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless everyone. See you Sunday, 10 a.m. Tune in. Random Church, PB.org. Love you all. Bye-bye.